Welcome again to the Present Age Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Malloy. My guest this week is once again, Matthew Sheffield. Matthew Sheffield is the founder and editor of Flux, a new web community for progressive writers and podcasters. I spoke with Matthew a couple weeks back. It ran really long. We decided to make it a two-part podcast. So here's part two. A lot of criticism of Democrats seems to ignore the asymmetric nature of partisan media. I mean, you have a massive, there's a right, massive right-wing infrastructure in place that can keep the same topic and headlines for an indefinite amount of time. This makes it easy to pick a topic, real or invented, to hammer away at for their own political goals. You know, and I think we saw that recently in Virginia about critical race theory and all of that. And you have people like James Carville offering advice like stop the wokeness. But what he seems to miss is it's not Democrats who are pushing these narratives. It's if Fox News wants to spend every night between now and the next election claiming that Biden quadrupled everyone's taxes or made it illegal to breathe oxygen, they, they can. And, and some people will believe it and they'll repeat it. You know, the Democrats who lost these recent elections, they didn't run on critical race theory or defund the police or any anything like that, or LGBTQ issues, which, trust me, I wish that Democrats were as pro-LGBTQ as right-wing <laughs> media make them out to be. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, I don't know what they're supposed to do, or even, you know, more importantly, what legitimate news outlets are supposed to do to counter this. You know, if Democrats weigh in on every nonsense issue that comes up, I mean, as we're recording this, we're in day two or three of them freaking out about Big Bird. You know, this <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's just there's a new target every day that just kind of gets thrown out there. You know, yeah. it, if they weigh in, they lose because they're weighing in on something as trivial as Big Bird. If they ignore yeah. it, it just builds up. And so all of it's a, kind of a long way to sort of ask you, you know, what? how do you fight back against that when the infrastructure is so... It's a very strong infrastructure that, that right-wing media has built. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you have you know, you have Fox and Gateway Pundit and Daily Caller and Daily Wire and, um, you know, all of that. They, they just kind of, they keep bouncing the same ideas back and forth, you know. Yeah. Oh, commentary from a Daily Wire contributor uh, turns into a Fox, Fox and Friends segment with that person, which then gets put on Daily Caller, you know, it it's this very incestuous, basically. It's, a, uh, it's an echo chamber. And people mm-hmm. often talk about there being, oh, the echo, the liberal bubble. Get out of your liberal bubble. That was something we heard over and over and over after 2016. And then after 2020, there was a big push to, you know, people have to get out of their liberal bubble. Again, it, the answer mm-hmm. is always people on the left need to do this. It's never people on the right need to, get with get with reality that's never something that gets brought brought into it and that's kind of one way i I feel like mainstream outlets are failing us is that they don't realize or they refuse to urge people on the right to maybe be less extreme you know you hear after the the recent elections there's been this this push like hey oh does Joe Biden need to move to the right? Has he been too extreme? He hasn't really done anything extreme. I mean, the policies he's proposed have generally been pretty well supported. I mean, there there's nothing crazy in there. I mean, when you know, especially when you consider that 
when Republicans passed the um, the tax bill in 2017, it had something like a 30% approval rating. It was mm-hmm. super low, and they passed it anyway, and it remained unpopular. Yeah, but they didn't care. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, <clears throat> I mean, well, there's a lot to unpack. Oh, yeah. Here. I'm sorry. That uh, went on forever on my end. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say, yeah, no, I would say one. The first thing I would say is that after Republicans lose elections, they don't say they don't think, well, how can we uh, move to the center? And uh, what what is the message that we can say that will make people like us? They don't do that. They never do that. In fact, what they do is to say, how can we change the environment so that our that our ideas can propagate better? Mm-hmm. And nobody on the left does that. No. Uh, and so that, you know, that's and, and part of that is is why I started um, my website Flux um, to try to focus on some of these larger issues and larger trends. So like, um, you know, there, there are I, so in terms of like Christian nationalism and the Republican mind. Um, I just did a, a long interview uh, and discussion about how this works. Um, so like the left behind novels, people have heard of them, but did you know that they were written by the one of the co-founders of the Council for National Policy? No, which is like the Uber right-wing <laughs> network, networking organization. Um, and like, so the, the left behind novels are designed as political propaganda. That's what they're for. That's yeah. the point of them. And, but people just think, ah, well, look at this stupid moron, uh, you know, Kirk Cameron movies and whatnot. Like, yeah, of course it's, it's dumb. Yeah. yeah that, whatever. Uh, God's not Understand? dead. That whole series of movies. Yeah. Too. Yeah. You know, it's all the same. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Of course it's dumb, but you gotta, you have to go to the next step, which is what is the point of these things? Why exactly. do they exist? How many people are are reading them and in the case of you know left behind those things have sold like over 100 million copies yeah which um, i mean in fairness like it's a cool premise <laughs> i mean for a, for a book but um you know it's it's definitely i i feel like it's a cool premise that could have been done in a less uh, super propaganda type way um which oh, i guess sure. that just I mean, becomes well, the leftovers yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> so. the, yeah, the, the I mean the end of you know end of the world, Satan trying to kill everyone or the demons or whatever you know yeah. or or I mean hell that's every fucking superhero. Yeah, it's true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, you know I mean and I mean like that is I mean like Marvel literally has a god character Thor uh, in, in its in its in its pantheon of superheroes. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's a, it is a cool premise for sure, but. Like people have to understand, like what does it, the way that it's executed is designed to tell the audience who reads the books or watches the films or whatever that, you know, Democrats are the literal, not metaphorical, literal servants of Satan. Yep, that's and uh, yeah. That's and that that reality that that there are that there are tens of millions of people who think this. Like, have you ever seen that discussed on cable news? No, I don't I think mean, ever. No, and and if it was brought up, they, people would get slammed for, oh, you're generalizing. Oh, which I mean, okay, but if if one Democrat somewhere saying we should defund the police 
gets turned into this is what Democrats believe. You know, there, there's no, no one, you know, no one goes, all Republicans believe that uh, forest fires are started with a Jewish space laser, like Marjorie Taylor Greene said, you know, but that's kind of how things are when it comes to, you find one fringe type character on the left and that becomes, you know, this is what Democrats believe. This is what the left believes. Or, yeah, or even like in the case of Black Lives Matter, um, like, there were there were some acts of of arson or yeah criminality that were conducted but i but if you act i actually was watching the pro so i live in long beach california i was watching uh, just some uh webcam footage that people had the public webcams and i saw the protests like they were in an area and then they left the protesters left and then some people drove in from a from who knows where and then broke into a store so like they were, had nothing to do with these protests. Um, they were just looters and were not affiliated with the groups. And But nobody reported that. Yeah, well, and, um, I, and I mean, also with, with that, there was this this narrative last, uh, last year as that was happening. Oh, Democrats support, support riots and mobs and violence and looting and burning. But I don't, I don't know. There might've been a, a, a couple who who were outspoken on you know on the on the more extreme ends of whatever was happening but for the most part democrats were like violence is bad violence is wrong no violence mm -hmm. stop it you know that that sort of thing but well and you then, know it, yeah it's, oh, joe sorry. like there was this idea that joe biden was you know these were joe biden fans it's not it's, no <laughs> no one yeah. who is who's uh you know who goes and calls themselves an anti-fascist is a Joe Biden fan, you know, I mean, yeah, he's, 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 just kinda, he's Joe Biden. He's the middle of the road. He's, mm -hmm. I don't know. He's, is Pepsi okay as a person, you know, <laughs> that sort mm -hmm. of, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. he's no one's first choice. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, and so, but, but I would say though that, yeah, like, uh, I don't think though that the mainstream media is adequately positioned to cover this, um, and 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 Democrats and Democratic leaders and funders and you know activists need to understand that the mainstream media will never no. be up to this task. There's nothing that you can say to them because most of them operate. Their training is basically you know show up in a building and try to find people and ask them about legislation. Like that's the only thing they know how to do. Mm -hmm. um, they don't and then know just repeat else. whatever repeat whatever gets told to them. Which yeah, that's one of that's uh, one of those things that especially during the Trump Trump era was mm -hmm. um, pretty obnoxious because you'd have respectable mainstream reporters t tweeting out whatever nonsense Trump said that day or yeah. whatever Mark Trump Meadows said that day. You, you know, know I had the biggest you know inauguration attendance ever. Yeah. One guy who, who used to do that a lot was the CBS reporter, uh, Mark Noller, where he would just, he would just say nonsense. Like Trump would say nonsense and he would just type it up and send it out and everyone would be like, why are you doing this? You understand that this is straight up untrue. You don't need to share it word for word without saying. Are you a stenographer? <laughs> yeah. It, well, exactly. And then he. You know, he, I, I forgot. He retired there was the, actually. Yeah. He, uh, he retired and then immediately started like 
popping up in the replies of some, uh, I forgot who it was, but some Democratic lawmaker said something that was like a slight exaggeration. And he popped in to go, actually, and it's like, where were, where was this guy? Where was this guy <laughs> the, the, the past four years? But, yeah. you know. Well, yeah. So, I mean, basically, you know, there, what has to be done is that there has to be multiple organizations started who will, you know, not only document the lies, but also actively push back against them. And then also tr try to stay in touch with um, the democratic base and get them to, to be engaged and continue to be engaged. But, and, and also then also to, and then there also need to be groups that are out there, you know, telling people who vote Republican, you know, this is who you actually are supporting when yeah. you support these people. Because I can tell you, like, so many people who I know, um, they have no idea. About I, I personally didn't know about this stuff. Like, <laughs> and I worked in, you know, a, 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 in media commentary and analysis. So, like, and I didn't know how crazy these people were. Um, yeah. And so the mainstream media isn't going to report it because like they're so upset. The only thing that they can understand is uh, elected politician said this and like sometimes they will debunk it maybe. Uh, but most of these people in the right wing ecosystem are not elected politicians. No. Um, and that's by design. They don't want like Charles Koch, you know, is what could he actually did try to run for president actually yeah. in the, uh, I think it was 1980 and he got you know completely destroyed because no one likes their ideas so they don't care about public opinion they're not going to uh, put themselves out there on, on the ballot and so you need to understand that these activists these donors are the actual powers behind the right it yeah. isn't the polit the politicians themselves are literally just window dressing that's all they are and in fact grover norquist um who is uh one of the most uh powerful and wealthy right-wing activists out there been around forever has said you know the only thing we want in a president is is uh is a monkey able to sign legislation that we write basically that's what he said and that is their attitude like this guy has been around in politics literally since the 80s um, at the epicenter of Republican politics. And, you know, so you have to understand if you're a reporter that that's who you should be covering or paying attention to. But, you know, again, you can't pay, you can't count on the mainstream media to understand. Right. I don't think they, like, I mean, even now, like, if you go, like, they're so set in their ways and stubborn. Like, even now, after the entire world has been working remotely, not in offices for two years. If you go to any mainstream media publication and look at their job listings, they'll all be like, oh, yeah. must live in New York, must live in DC. And it's like, did you not pay attention to any fucking thing that you yourself experienced? Yep. The answer is no, they yeah. did not. So if they can't even learn from their own experience in their own industry, you can't count on them. Yeah. Well, so don't I mean, try. It, it, yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, those stories of, of people who had really serious COVID and then survived and they're like, still not getting the vaccines. Like, Dude, <laughs> like how? how? How how are we here? You know, how did we end up there? But with, um, you know, I, I mean, here's an example I was thinking about from last week. There was this 
segment that CNN ran uh, during New Day that was um, about, uh, it was a trip to the grocery store with a family of 11. First off, the average size of an American family is 2 point something. It's very small, <laughs> not 11. So right there, you're, you're not talking about the average American family in any way, shape, or form. The family they spoke with lived in Texas. So they flew a reporter down to Texas because he, he was, when they aired it, he was in New York. So they sent him down to Texas to meet with this specific family to go shopping with them for a piece to illustrate how Americans are, are, are struggling to, to, pay the bills with with uh, the way inflation is going. And then when you know when you looked up the the people who were being interviewed in these stories, they they were very clearly pretty partisan and I mean that's fine. Um, you know, they had Facebook posts about, oh, gas hasn't been this high since well, the last time a democrat was in office, which is not true. Uh, <laughs> but beyond that, it's uh, the story goes comes out and there were a number of false claims in it, which could have just, you know, they didn't go down there and film three and a half minutes of footage. They filmed, you know, probably an hour at least. And they could have left left out portions where one of the family members said uh, things like, oh, milk went from $1.99 up to two seventy nine this year. It's, it did not go up 80 cents. It did not increase by 40%, which is what... The argument was there. Um, and when you're buying 12 gallons a week, it's like, that's a lot of milk. Yes, that's, yeah, when you're buying 12 gallons a week, even at the amount that you're talking about, that's like $9, which, yeah, adds up. But I mean, it's not necessarily a lot, a lot, I guess. Um, but this, the whole story kind of hinged on that, where, you know, they, they also said, Oh well, you know, if in June a dollar was worth a dollar, now it it only has like seventy cents worth of the same buying power, which is not true. Obviously, I mean that would be the worst inflation ever in the country's history. If in you know five months you had thirty uh, percent of the purchase power of the U.S. dollar disappearing. Uh, but CNN left those in there, didn't challenge any of the statements, and aired the aired the segment. And when people pushed back on it, when people said these things that she said were false, and you included them in the segment without really challenging them at all, like th they got angry. The person who reported it out, who flew down to Texas to meet with this family, uh, the person who did that went and called people who were criticizing him assholes on Twitter. Now that's not something that. I don't know. CNN has a history of firing people for saying, uh, for tweeting things that, that are, are bad or for saying things that are controversial. I mean, you had uh, Reza Aslan, who um, he, he lost his show because he tweeted that Trump was a piece of shit, which, okay, that's fair if you want to fire someone for that. But then you have like this dude calling your audience assholes for correcting misinformation that was put out there. And it's just, it's frustrating because there are very, very clearly separate rules that the right is allowed to sort of abide by and the left has to abide by, you know, these sort of like how the New York Times will buckle under pressure to bend over backwards to try to appease 
right-wing criticism. They'll have, they'll bring in, you know, uh, oh, let's have, uh, let's, let's have Josh Howley or, you know, Tom Cotton come in and, and write op-eds for us. Let's invite Eric Erickson to write an op-ed for us about why we need to come together after he, you know, took a page of the New York Times and shot bullets into, into it. You know, it's mm-hmm. these, these sorts of things that they're well, and, and a guy who, who called a Supreme Court justice a pig fucker. Yeah, well, I think it was. I think it was a goat fucking um, pedophile. That was, yeah. I think, what he said. Yeah, or whatever it was. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, it was not good. About civility. It it was a lot, um, you know. And these are the people who get voices. These are the people who get, you know, they pop up on CNN all the mm-hmm. time, you know. And it's really frustrating as, you know, not just as you know, as as someone who wants to live in a, you know, a society where we can all sort of, you know, I would love to debate the merits of different tax policies or to to discuss what the U.S. role in foreign policy should be or something like that. But there's no policies being discussed. It's just culture work straight up and down. It's it's just Democrats want to kill you. And that's why you should vote Republican. Like that seems to be sort of the message. And it's just unhinged. And I don't I don't know how how we how we all coexist. I would like to. But well, I mean, like I said, I think, um, you know, the the right a long time ago decided that, well, the mainstream media isn't going to, you know, promote our candidates for us and, you know, do the pure propaganda that we want. So we'll just go and start our own things. And like, there isn't really any appreciable, you know, not really. I mean, there are some, you know, liberal outposts here and there, uh, <clears throat> but certainly not anywhere near the amount of, I mean, like there is no um, equivalent to right wing talk radio. No. And, um, and people sometimes will be like, oh, well, there's lots of popular left wing podcasts. And it's like, well, sure, that's true. There are some. But guess what? Head over to the Apple podcast, top news and politics and see mm-hmm. who dominates that. It ain't yeah. NPR, I'll tell you that. Yeah, well, and, and, and same thing with with uh, with Facebook. You know, I mean, one, one great illustration, I think, of the way that sort of right-wing media can kind of game the system is, you know, I always thought that the way Facebook reacted to this pretty flimsy 2016 Gizmodo story about supposed suppression of conservative ideas and in reality, like the complaints seem to be mostly that Facebook wasn't promoting conspiracy theories about the IRS targeting only conservative groups, but not liberal groups, which the IRS was was monitoring both groups because you have to be careful when you're an overtly political organization applying for tax exempt status. Like that's kind of how it's supposed to go. So like they were mad that these stories about how the IRS were not trending and you know uh, they were upset that the associated press was being weighted heavier than something like gateway pundit uh, or steven crowder and i always thought that was a moment that things really started to spiral totally out of control and you know the, the article was published and within hours you had every right-wing media outlet screaming about it being censored uh, the rnc weighed in on it and within days facebook set up a meeting with high profile conservatives you had brent bozell Jim DeMint, Tucker Carlson, Glenn Beck, like all of these people went to uh, went to Facebook 
and met with Mark Zuckerberg to talk talk about what they can do to to kind of make them feel better about things to assure them that it's not biased against conservatives. And so Facebook took a bunch of the recommendations. Facebook immediately fired the team that curated its trending section, replaced it with an algorithm that didn't differentiate between nonsense stories and actual news. And then in the months leading up to the election, it just fed readers false stories about things like the Pope endorsing Trump or Megyn Kelly endorsing Clinton and a bunch of conspiracy theories. And yeah. It seems well, like a pretty actually, clear-cut example of conservatives yeah. seizing on an opportunity to weaponize a sense of being wronged, a sense of being the victim, to claim bias mm-hmm. um, to, to their advantage. And Facebook, I think, you know, Facebook bent over the backwards to to make sure that they felt okay. They they carved out special rules so that Trump could lie in his ads. They did all of these things and. What's the conservative position on Facebook? It's still biased against conservatives. Like there's nothing that can be said or done that would change that because it's not actually about correcting a bias. It's about it's about pushing for an advantage. And I don't know. Do you think I do you think that I I make too much of that Facebook example? Uh, because it's just it's stuck with me for five years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Well, I I would say it's it's more of a you know. It's just a, a good test it's, case or yeah. example. Um, but that sort of thing happens all the time. And, oh, totally. Um, but, I, you know, I, I, that's why I do think that there needs to be more. So, like, I mean, there are some, you know, progressive publications out there, like, let's say, um, you know, The Nation or New Republic or Talking Points Memo, et cetera. Um, but they kind of are more about, progressive interpretations and reporting of the news. Mm-hmm. They're, so they're, but they, they aren't about actually um, combating, um, you know, right wing stupidity and lies and activism. Right. Um, and so basically these people have had, you know, I've been wa- waging a one-sided war on uh, mainstream institutions and had, so it's no wonder that they have been favored by them. I mean, your, your former, Colleagues at Media Matters yeah. have, have started a new project where they're tracking the most popular Facebook posts. And the most popular Facebook posts are almost without exception yeah. right-wing propaganda. Yeah. Um, and this is something that Facebook could choose to just do, <laughs> you know, rather than eat up all the resources of Media Matters to do that. But mm-hmm. alas, Facebook is a secretive organization that uh, that worries me. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's one of their... Key investor is Peter Thiel, and yeah, which Mark, he is Mark Zuckerberg's mentor. Yeah, um, which and, you know that's that also there. The tech companies are biased against Facebook or biased against conservatives. Line always just just gets me because it's so clearly not true. Um, but it's impossible well, to it's impossible yeah. to convince people that it's not true. Well, here's the thing that. Um, and th- this goes back to something I said earlier that, you know, conventional right wing Republican leaders are, um, they're much closer to the radical, um, conspiracy theorists and, you know, um, dis- you know, outright fabricators than people realize. And, um, the research, the reason, the primary reason that Facebook took these criticisms seriously. There were two reasons. One was it was a business decision. They wanted to make sure that 
you know, half of their audience wouldn't, well, or like, you know, 35. Well, I mean, Facebook is majority elderly people now. <laughs> um, so that's, they didn't want to piss off their Republican mainstays. But so that was number one. But then number two is that um, when you look at the way that um, disinformation works and is distributed, that if you have automated filters put in place against disinformation, they will disproportionately um, affect Republican politicians. Um, And that's because, but, but nobody ever takes the second step, which is to say, okay, so if that's true, that these filters are doing that, and it's indisputable that they do, um, then that means that Republicans are basing their politics and messaging on lies. That's what that actually means. Um, And that's the thing that we should be pointing to as the problem in this discussion. It isn't the algorithms. Right. The algorithms are based on detecting, you know, exaggerated or fabricated statements. And so they are neutral. Like they are not having things that are based on, oh, you know, let's make sure to take points off, you know, if it's a Republican saying, but that's not how they work. They are neutral. They are literally math formulae. That's what they are. Well, and Um, and, like they want to, the thing is though, these, like if Facebook wanted to, it could say, yeah, it affects more Republicans than Democrat politicians because that's just the reality of it. You know, they could, but they would, they would piss off millions and millions of uh, their users, which obviously they don't want to do. Um, So, so they instead kind of just kind of try to back off. Yeah. Well, and, and so the, but still, you know, like, I don't think that point is really made very much, even in the, like, there's tons of critical coverage of Facebook now that's come out in the mainstream press. Sure. But I don't think any of it's really touched on. Like, a lot of the problem that Facebook has in terms of disinformation and falsehoods, it isn't because of Facebook's audience or the people who use it. Um, it's because that right-wing activism is based on lying. Like, that's the root problem. And, like, this is the biggest um, sort of challenge. If you talk to people who actually work in machine learning and content moderation, they actually do discuss this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's only within that very small little universe um, that these discussions are being had and they need to be had on a much greater degree because like, I'll give an example, um, Sam Harris, the atheist, um, author who is, you know, drifted over to the right, um, the past few years. Um, he, he did an interview recently where he said that, um, somebody had asked him, um, you know, why is it that you seem so like almost all your content is about criticizing woke quote unquote stuff um, that you never talk about Republican extremism or Christian nationalism. Why don't you do that? And he was, and his response was, well, because that stuff is so obviously wrong that I don't need to criticize it because it's wrong. Um, And so I have to focus on cleaning up my own side. And it's like, bro, do you realize who was the president (laughs) of this country? Uh, do you realize who it, you know, what is the top rated cable channel in America? Do you realize, you know, like he has no idea. Uh, and like, and to be honest, like, I do think that there are a lot of people in sort of the, you know, uh, apolitical 
technocratic center or even center left who mm -hmm. have that opinion that oh, yeah. can, because they have no awareness or contact with right wing media. And, you know, they, they make the mis there, there's a very easy mistake that you can make, which is that to think that because you don't know about something that it doesn't matter. And the reality is maybe you don't know about this thing because you're wrong. <laughs> which is an important lesson all around. This has been just a totally fantastic, extremely long conversation. <laughs> I am I am so thankful that you that you took the time to chat with me today. That's today's show. Thanks again to Matthew Sheffield. As always, you can find a full transcript of today's episode at readthepresentage.com. I hope everyone has a safe and happy Thanksgiving.